Oh, there's Anders. All right. Where are you at, dude? I was getting my mic on. Okay, great. They cut me off from the Bieber mic. I got the handheld mic tonight, so bear with me for a second. Um, do you guys like rain? <laughs> Mixed feelings yes. about rain? Yeah? Dalton likes rain? Good. Um, well, what's going on, guys? My name is Anders. I'm one of the residents here um, for Salt Company. I'm so excited to be here. Couple weeks left in our series in Philippians. Um, as you guys know, we're going through this book, this letter that Paul has written this summer. And last week, Chris, he introduced Philippians 3 to us. And it's such an amazing text. And I think the biggest takeaway I had was just that Paul, he had this like surpassing value in knowing Jesus over anything else in his life. And it's just very evident that there is nothing worth pursuing more for him than this relationship that he had made. And I'm just going to read, and it's going to go up on the screen, Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11, because I think this is like, this is the entire like point of the Christian life, that we have one goal as believers. So read with me, starting in verse 10 and 11, in the middle of Philippians 3. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. And we see that Paul, he has this singular goal. His whole life is pointing towards one direction now that he's met in Jesus. And we're going to see that Paul, as he strives towards this goal with like this athletic language that he's going to communicate, he's actually living his life in such a way that we like need to take notice of. And people have actually seen a difference in him where he's actually sacrificing other goals that he had in his life to follow one man. I think we can relate to Paul here, this language of goals or like rise and grind, or like hustle mentality, or just like, I feel like we want to work hard in America. I feel like that's taught to us a lot, or preached to us a lot, whether that's on social media, or in our friend groups, or whatever. And so this language of goals is familiar with us. Accomplishments, or things we want to do. And the world around us, or this university that many of us call home at Iowa, tell us a lot of different things need to be the goal of our life. Where we realize, um, yeah, that we're, we're going to be taught and we're going to be told that, yeah, money and impressiveness and all of these, like, attributes that, like, you can, like, attain from having a good job after you leave from here is, like, what actually matters in your life, which is, yeah, just something that Paul is going to, like, push back on in a strong way tonight. And let me tell you about what I thought my purpose was, as Paul is talking about his goal, like what I thought my purpose was six years ago as I was coming onto campus here at Iowa. I wanted to be impressive to people. I wanted to be well-liked by people who were in authority or leadership over me. I thought that finding my worth and what other people thought of me was the right way to go, that that was going to be the fulfillment I desired. And I stepped onto this campus and very easily became just empty from all of these pursuits that I was chasing. 
And I ended up just being in a vulnerable spot and meeting Jesus here in college. And he took a hold of my life. And for the past six years, I've been a part of this church and I've seen people come to know him and it's been completely amazing. So I wanna just say like, why? Why do I start with all this? Like, because Jesus, for me, he, he has resurrection power. It's true. He destroyed death for me. He made it personal for me. Jesus is bringing dead people alive. And all of us here on this earth, we're looking for a goal worthy to pursue. And that's the tension I'm feeling as I look at you guys. Like the next generation of students, as we go out into the world, we want to know, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? What is my purpose And the reason we all feel this shared burden to figure it out is because we were actually designed for a goal. We were designed to do something with our life. Your life actually has purpose, and we're going to see that in Paul as he's writing to the Philippians. So the big idea for tonight is this. We are actually designed to know Jesus and be in relationship with him. Does someone want to hear from Jesus tonight? Can I hear anything? You want to hear? Okay. All right. Let me read this over you. Just John 10, before we jump into Philippians, I think it's going to set a tone for our night. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd, This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my Father. You guys, this is real Jesus. I know my own, and my own know me, like this relational language that he's talking to us with. Paul's getting at the same thing, that this good news in this little text here is that this is the kind of God we serve. It's a relational God that loves us, that wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to know us. And he says another thing that's profound. He says, but I have other sheep that are outside of this sheep pen. I must bring them. They will listen to my voice. Like he's talking about the Gentile people here, people outside this like Jewish, like, um, religious tradition, and he's saying that people on the outskirts of society are actually going to come to know me, and you fast forward 2,000 years later, that is you and me, and he's answering that call. People are coming to know him. Jesus is bringing us in tonight. That's why we meet every week, and the reason I bring up John 10 is because I want to remember what this whole letter to the Philippians is about. It's all about Jesus Paul's goal is to know him. So with that, let's start reading in Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Our text tonight, it says, Now, not that I have already reached the goal, or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. There is so much 
in these first few verses that have gripped my attention these past weeks. But a flyover observation, a couple that I see that are important for us tonight, is that Paul, he's actively pursuing Jesus with his life. He's doing everything that he can to take hold of his goal. And I think what's even more important here is the why behind Paul's effort to take hold of this. It says here, he says, because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. This takes us to our first point, that before our effort, Jesus takes hold of us. Before our effort, Jesus takes hold of us. There's nothing we can do. We need to look to him first. So let me illustrate this with a story. Um, Growing up, we used to have some family friends called the Shaws. I had a buddy named Aaron. He was pretty cool. We played sports together, and our our families were close, and we would go over to each other's houses and stuff, and as, like, we would just hang out, we would just play video games. we play Mario Kart, for example. And me and him are chilling in his room, playing this game, enjoying it. Like, we're having a good time, and we're winning. Like, we're doing a really good job. And you, do, you, do anyone, like, do you guys have little siblings in the room? Is there anybody? Yeah? A couple people? Yeah. So my buddy, his name was Aaron, and he had a little brother named Austin, And Austin would just like peek his head in the room and he'd just be like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) And he'd want to like spend time with us and he he wanted to play the game with us. And we're like, like we had extra controllers, but we didn't want him to play because he was bad. He was like a little kid. And he was just like bad and we just like didn't want him to to play. I was bad. (laughs) But what we would do is we'd be like, okay, Austin, like, we're caving. You can play with us. That's, that's fine. And we would give him a controller, and we just wouldn't plug it in. <laughs> and he's like this little kid, and he's just like, he's like ha- so happy. He's just like thinking that he's, he's button mashing, like doing all this stuff, thinking he's like the man. He's playing the game. He's going to win, you know? That's what he thought. And that little kid, this is the illustration. That little kid is the person that tries to work their way by button mashing their way, doing all these things, trying to put in all this effort that he thought he was putting in. They're trying to earn good things. He's trying to win. He's trying to earn. And like the illustration I'm trying to say here is this. So many of us are like this kid. We try to earn God's love. No amount of effort will get us to reach our goal unless there is power first. If you're not plugged in, if he's actually not connected to the game, he's not playing the game. We are powerless without being plugged into Christ. Before, yeah, without Christ in us, our relationship with him, that is the first thing. That comes first before any effort that we make to do anything for God. And like Paul, he's, he's agreeing with this, that he's been captivated by Jesus. He's been changed Yeah, and he can put in all the effort in the world now like crazy because he is free in Christ. And I think if we go into this life on our own and we we try to put forth all of this effort, that's just going to lead us to burnout if we're trying to live life on our own. If if it's pride maybe or self-reliance where we're just trying to hold on to what we can do and not actually spend time with the Lord and be connected to him. In John 15, Jesus says this. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And he says this crazy thing. 
as we're just these branches kind of like shooting off of the vine of Jesus, like if we're not connected to him, you can actually do nothing. Jesus himself says, but you can do nothing without me. And this all sounds good, but like how do we actually apply it? I think a really comforting thing about this text here is that Paul is like, yeah, this goal I have, I haven't actually reached it yet. Like, I'm not actually perfect yet. And this is kind of getting at, like, what this whole passage is all about. That already, like, I'm in this stage, I'm following Jesus, but I'm not to my goal yet. I'm not finished with my goal yet. We're striving towards Jesus, but we're not perfect. Sin still exists in our life. We see how things are not as they should be, and that we can actually be really discouraged by this sometimes. But Paul, he has a word for you. If that's how you're feeling right now, like you're living this life as a Christian and you're just discouraged in your walk, he's just like, just one thing. Like, just one thing. Paul's like, just live your life like you're forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Paul pursues with all this like metaphorical like athleticism that he has. He's just like, you need to pursue the prize, which is Jesus. Keep pursuing him. Like, the prize is promised. We see that. God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means heaven is promised to the Christian, to the person that surrenders their life to Jesus. True life. That's what Paul is after. And the reason why all of this is worth pursuing is because Jesus is going to be there. Jesus will be in eternity. And the simple application for us is this. Reach forward to whatever God has in front of you. Reach forward to whatever God has in front of you. It's, it's like maybe you need to get alone with God. You actually need to fall on your knees and pray and talk about this summer with him. Maybe you just haven't done that. Or maybe you actually need to take a day and just rest Sabbath with the Lord. Spend time in his word and actually let Jesus refresh your heart and take a hold of you again. Maybe you just need to open up your Bible tomorrow morning. Like you're in a good rhythm right now in your, in your summer and you're excited for what's ahead. There's new mercies tomorrow morning for you. There is. It's going to be good. I can't wait to read. Or maybe this is me just giving you the final nudge. Like you need to share the gospel with your coworker or your friend that you deeply care about. Whatever it is for you, look for that next inch of obedience in your life where you can reach towards the goal. Let's keep reading here. We're going to pick up the pace a bit. So Philippians 3, 15, it says, Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we've attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I've often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. They are focused on earthly things. He's saying, look, all of you people who are mature, like actually mature, listen to me, you will actually think this way this is actually essential to your walk, the things that I'm communicating with you in this letter, that being in the middle of this process of knowing Jesus, it's the right way. And we see Paul's confidence in God here as he says, and if you think differently about anything, God's just gonna reveal that to you. 
He will. Paul knew that God didn't need him to convince every single person that read this letter. He trusted the Lord, and he trusted his ability to reveal things to his people, and he knew that to be true. And I love the next thing he says. He's just like, anyways, we should live up to whatever truth we've attained. He says, but I don't know. I do know these things to be true. He's like, listen, like I know that these are the things that we need to follow, so let's follow together. Like what you've learned that has brought real genuine success in your walk with Jesus, like keep doing those things. Those are what you should focus on. And as we keep following this text, we're going to see good and bad examples as we're all on this walk of life together. And he says, look, imitate people like me. Like Paul, he's, he's got a clean conscience and he's trying to follow Jesus. He's showing these people as best that he can, like, look, I'm also warning you that there's a lot of people out there, as Paul is crying as he starts to write this, that there are people that are enemies of the cross, people in your life. And if you think about this for a moment, that should stir something in your soul that you should feel that people actually don't know Jesus like I do. If you think about it like this, this could be kind of a, a sensitive issue or topic, but we all have people in our lives that motivate us. And the one that I think about a lot and that I thought of for this idea in this sermon here is parents. All over the spectrum, there are good and bad parents. No matter what your upbringing was, no matter what your personal experience may be. And as we look back on how we were raised and the mistakes or the victories or the good times or the bads that we actually witnessed and we saw, those are, all those things are beneficial to us, actually. Like seeing like all of these things that people did really well or that people actually like really messed up with. Like Paul's like, look, I'm a good example. Like follow me, I'm following Jesus. And then he's saying there are people who are actually turning away from God and choosing to live their life in a way that's just gonna end in destruction. The second point here is that we have good and bad examples, both are for our benefit. Good and bad parents. God works through blessings and he works through brokenness to bring glory. Paul immediately, in verse 17, he tells us what to do. As he's saying, imitate me, brother and sister. Pay careful attention to follow my example. We need to look at people like him and we need to follow in their footsteps. And these people who are against Christ, their end is actually destruction. Their God is their stomach. Or another way you could think about that is they worship whatever makes them feel good or whatever fills their stomach to just like enjoy or almost sedate them. Like that's the object of their worship, not Jesus. Kind of disregarding the future and just being gratified in the moment or gratified with a meal or a relationship. Enemies of the cross celebrate in their shame because they have nothing else to boast about. This is like sobering realities from Paul. People all around us are choosing to pursue way lesser things than Christ that lead to destruction. But let's keep reading and see how Paul ends this chapter. He says in verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. Like literally, like he's like, they're focused on earthly things. Like look up. Like literally just like look up. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. One thing I want you to take away from this. With Jesus, we actually have a perfect example to follow. We need to seek him. Like, that is our goal. John 10, like, I know my father and the father knows me. Like, we actually have a perfect father in heaven. That's really comforting to know that, that someone loves us, that cares for us, that needs, um, yeah, that is just looking to spend time with us. The third point I have is this, is to look up. Jesus is there. Our citizenship is not of this world. We see good and bad examples, but we can look up and see Jesus. Like literally from earthly things to heaven, because that's your real home. That's the true relationship we need that we were created for. That's the true purpose that's actually going to fulfill us in this life. That's the joy our bones just ache for. And the best part is that Jesus is there. The man who was nailed to a Roman torture device, and he bled out for your freedom to forgive your sin. This man died but walked out of a tomb a few days later raised to resurrected life. Like that is the Jesus we serve, the one who laid his life down for his sheep, for you, for me. And the coolest thing is that he's coming back and we can wait for him. And he's gonna make all things new and perfect and right. And we're just sitting here, kind of like we're watching the rain come in tonight. We're just like waiting for Jesus to come back. We want him to come back. Like, though I just said, it's kind of funny, but like we should be professional waiters to be waiting on him, knowing him. And we can know him through this book. Like he's spoken to us. Like we can see. He's actually gonna transform us. He's gonna give us new bodies. Like think about that. Like no mental problems, no physical handicaps, like no diagnoses, no health problems. Like he's actually gonna renew us. And he's gonna make us perfect through power. That's through scarred feet and his scarred hands that he actually died for you. So Paul kind of leaves us with like a natural benediction here. He says, stand firm in the Lord, brother and sister. Stand firm. The goal of your life is to know him, so stand firm in that. And what would it look like for us to be a people that actually did this? That took the promises of Jesus and actually lived and leveraged our life for those very promises. That pursued him with everything that we have, not much, we're college students, like we don't have a lot, but we can leverage our life for him, that we give him all glory. I want you to talk about that in your small groups tonight or whatever, if we have small groups or not, but like, what can we do to stand firm in the Lord this week? What can you do? So let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to be in a relationship with you, Lord. I pray that people would hear your word tonight and be changed.
Spirit, would you move? Allow people to see the beauty of the cross. May we just take this time to worship, Lord, because you are worthy of everything. Lord, we plead for you that your blood actually covers us. Your grace is overflowing. Lord, and as we're just the vessels that you give and you use, Lord, may we just be poured out for you, Lord. May we be living sacrifices that Jesus would be on the banner of our hearts. Nothing else, Lord. There's a harvest coming in a couple weeks, Lord, and I pray that we would be ready. We would be excited to be used, excited to pray. Lord, I pray that you would use us, Lord. May we be a people that don't do anything without recognizing who you are and what you've done. And then, Lord, may we work like crazy to love you and to point people to you and to share the gospel with, with those who don't know you, that they're headed towards destruction, Lord. May we love them. Lord, be with us. Just accept and hear our worship now.